welcome. Good to have everybody here live. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about this last semester, this last quarter of CNC. So we're, we're, can you believe we're actually kind of coming towards the end here? So the idea, just a quick recap, first semester was more about biblical studies emphasis on the Gospels. Second term was more about the basic Christian theology. Third term, we kind of labeled it ministry in the 21st century. Of course, you guys you know, read a book related to that. You did um, your assessments, you did your book report, and you interviewed somebody who's in ministry-related uh, situations and, uh, and turned that in. So and then this last semester is really about spiritual leadership and then about doing your ministry presentation. Now, let me answer some questions about ministry presentation. I've already had people saying, does anything that happen to start something brand new? And it doesn't. I want you to think about answering this question. During this season of life, how is God calling you to serve him, his kingdom, his church? However you want to answer it. It could be that you're already doing it. It doesn't have to be anything. It, maybe this, the idea behind TNT is that you're being equipped unto something, okay? And we don't want this simply to be an academic exercise people can check off and then move on. We, we want the idea that you're being equipped unto something. Now, what that something is, that's between you and God. I mean, it could be inside the walls of the church. It could be outside the walls of the church. And it doesn't mean, hey, this is my commitment for the rest of my life. It's just during this season of life, right? God may lead you to do something different three, five years from now, right? But at least during this season of life, how do you feel like you're being called to serve Him, serve the church, serve the kingdom, serve the community, um, and, and that kind of a thing? So uh, we always uh, we require that to get out of or to graduate from TNT to get out of it. It's not your prison. Uh, we require that, and once again, it's because we want to have this idea that you're being a perfect under something. All right. Now, what does that look like? You're Three weeks with Michelle would be really helpful. Your couple weeks with uh, Bill and the next week, Rhonda, I think will, will help you some. But especially those three weeks with Michelle as she unpacks, uh, as you unpack some of your assessments and things like that. Um, in terms of um, probably in the next few weeks, you'll be signing up for one of those dates. And they'll probably come up in April and early, uh, early May. And yeah, I think you'll have about 15 to 20 minutes. And you'll tell us a little about who you are. You might want to bring in some of the things that you learned through your exercises with Michelle. Um, and then uh, and then just you know tell us what that is. You can just stand up here and just talk like I'm talking if you want to. We'll have CDs and if you want to do PowerPoint, if you want to do anything, we'll have uh, things available for you to do that. Um, so any questions on that? Yeah, I, I will. I do it. As we get closer, I'll give you a format. Yeah, I will. I'll, I'll give you a general kind of maybe uh, bullet points to follow. Yeah, and, and it'll be something like tell us a little bit about yourself, including your background, you know, maybe five minutes. Tell us about what you've learned about yourself, um, maybe possibly through the assessments or just, you know, who you are. Just, you know, um, tell, you know maybe five minutes on that and then maybe. Um, and might be another maybe five or ten minutes on your minister presentation. You know, tell us, tell us, you know, what uh, your background in terms of what led you to this and why you feel called. How does this maybe intersect with your passions, your gifts, your interests, and those kind of things? So it, it'll be something basic like that. All right. All right. So how many people know that we have kind of restructured the church a little bit, kind of in the last couple of years? Does anybody know that we have? 
a Brentwood region and a South region and a North region. Does that sound familiar to anybody? No, you're on staff, right? So all the staff are familiar. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, you know we have eight. Does anybody know we have eight campuses? Yeah. You got, all right, so you got to know that. All right, you know that. All right, so we have eight campuses, and then we have Brentwood region, and then we have South, and then we have North. And um, so, what might be some of our South campuses? What do you think? West Franklin, Station Hill, um, Nolensville. Park Heights actually is considered North because it's Davidson County. Okay. Basically, it's different between Davidson County and Williamson County. Okay. All right. So, what else would be North? Uh, Woodbine. Woodbine. <laughs> Lachlan. Lachlan. And? Abstract. All right. Why did I say all that? I didn't say all that. It's because now we have, uh, along with this, we actually have um, our senior executive pastor. I think, is that his title? His name is Stan Breeden. Okay. And then we have. Uh, associate executive pastors related to the three regions. And why do I say all this? Because our man, Bill Farrell, is the associate executive pastor for this group here. And if you'd asked me a month ago, I would have said Brian Coates is the associate executive pastor for these. But now Brian is going to be the associate executive pastor for the Brentwood region. And that's why. So, anyway. Um, Bill, how long have you been with us? Uh, a year and a half. Year and a half. I first, did, we, did I first meet you at our uh, staff retreat? I mean, before. Yes. Although I met you when you were in October 19th. Uh, yeah. The staff retreat was like two weeks ago. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So uh, we're so delighted to have Bill here. He does a great job. He's his wife, Chris. We've had him over at the house. Uh, we've had a chance to connect over a lot of different things. So. Um, he has a real interest in this whole topic of spiritual leadership. He actually told me that the book I've assigned is one of his top 10, top five books. Hey, come in, Wilek. Come on in. Come on in, Wilek. <laughs> wow, this is great. Yeah, we get to see each other. <laughs> well, I've been everywhere. I've been Denver, New York, here, and... It's COVID, it's down up and flood and working 80 hours a week. So wow. Crazy. Well, we're glad to have you here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So anyway, I was just introducing Bill Farrell. He's going to be talking to us tonight. And Bill's the associate executive pastor for the, our North campus. So I was kind of explaining some of that here. But uh, with your permission, I'll open some prayer and then turn it over to you. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for these folks um, that have... Uh, made it through until now and, and just how fun it is to see one another face to face through the uh through, through the zoom or the computer uh we also pray for cassandra and for kelly who are not with us and pray for them who i know cassandra is watching through through the zoom call and pray for ryan as well um he uh lord if he is traveling here that that uh, you would uh make the way safe for him and uh, thank you for Bill. Thank you for bringing him and, and Chris here to uh, to Nashville and to help us with the, our, our ministry. And just I know what a, a great asset he's been to us already, helping with all the things related to Lachlan uh, Springs once they got hit by the tornado, all the issues he helped with there, as well as just many many of the ways that he 
He helps uh, move our ministry forward. Um, thank you that even he's become a friend to me, and I, I just am very grateful to have him here. And uh, Lord, give us ears to hear the things that you want to teach us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, okay, I'll just tell you a little about me, and then we'll do a little, uh, we'll have some fun tonight talking about spiritual leadership. Um, put the adjective spiritual before leadership, and we'll talk about that. So I was in, uh, well, I've moved all over a lot, but for the last 20 years, I worked in Dallas. I worked in a big church in Dallas as their executive pastor of operations, which is pretty much what I do now here uh, in the North region, right? So I help people with their finances, with facilities, with personnel, uh, you know, all those kind of things. And uh, and before I, when I first moved to Dallas, I was living in Detroit before I, I moved there. And uh, I wanted to move there uh, because I was kind of working in the business world, but I wanted to transition into the church. I wanted to work for the church full time. That's what I, I felt called to do. And, but I thought I'm, I'm fairly well educated on the business side. You know, I had an MBA in finance and marketing. I was working for a big company, but I didn't know much about you know, the, the B-I-B-L-E, right? I needed to learn more about the Bible. And so I thought, I'm going to go to Dallas, I'll go to Dallas Seminary, and I'm going to try to, you know, get educated in the Bible. And so I went I went down there and um, spent another three and a half, four years kind of getting, getting smarter in the Bible. And, uh, but anyway, while I was there, I was, uh, I just loved it, loved it, loved it. I loved studying the Bible and, and, uh, and, and talking about it. But the one of the, again, I've already said this one of my top five books that I had to read while I was at ETS was, yeah, this book right here. It's my original copy, yes, spiritual <laughs> leadership, right? And so when Roger said, oh, we're doing this talk, you know, uh, can you cover the spiritual leadership? I, you know, this doesn't sound weird, but I don't consider myself a teacher, you know? I like to talk about stuff, but I like to kind of facilitate more discussion type stuff. So, but when he said spiritual leadership, I said, what book are you using? You know, and of course, he told me you're using this book. I was like, okay, I'll, I got it. I can't, I can't back out there. This is a sign from the Lord, clearly. And so, uh, you know, I really, uh, you know, especially uh, over the years, the last 10 years in particular, I was really involved with a lot of different weird and different leadership opportunities when I was in Dallas. Uh, you know, I was involved in a big leadership teaching program for four or five years in Richardson, which is just north of Dallas. And, you know, I've served on several board of directors, just saw a lot of different things. So I made a lot of big mistakes, and you learn a lot from mistakes, you know, and make them. And when I think about leadership, and uh, I guess I specifically think there's two ways that uh, we can lead. There's probably more, but I kind of boiled it down to two. Uh, and in one of those, it, it kind of relates to the authority that we have. Some of us have what I would call positional authority. You know, you know, Stan Reed's my boss. He tells me what to do. I do it. That's clear. You guys, we all have bosses. We don't do it. Uh, you know, and uh, but the second one is the way I've always liked to lead, and I just call that either, uh, you know, not not positional authority, but the relational. You know, you can build up relational capital with people, and I think that relational capital is what like the leaders do. Right? There's a there's there's a difference, and so. Uh, what we're going to do to uh, start out, we're just going to do a little exercise, that, uh, you know, and then we're going to uh, kind of go through that. We're going to talk a little bit about those first three chapters of the book, uh, highlight a couple of the questions, which I think we're uh, good. And, uh, and so here's what you're going to do with this three by five part. Um, 
So you're going to write uh, some things on it, and I'm going to give you a chance. Uh, and at home, you can you can write this on your hand or wherever you need to write. <laughs> it's all good. So yeah. And so what you're going to uh, do on that card? Uh, I can make a little diagram here. This is going to kind of be a little bit of information about you. Okay. So you guys know each other somewhat, but this, this is going to help you even more. So uh, you've got this, you've got this, uh, this card, uh, let's say like this. Up here on the left, you're going to put, you're going to put the, uh, the name of a car. It could be a car you drive, it could be a car you like, whatever, whatever you, you want to do. You're going to put a, a car up there. Over here on the right, you're going to put, let's see, I, I failed the printing. Uh, you're going to write a color at the top there. You know, here you're going to put uh, your, your name in the middle uh, of it. Uh, down here, you're going to put uh, on the left, you're just going to write down the name of a uh, fictional character. And over on the bottom right side, I'm gonna, uh, and this is going to be a, uh, a hero. I'm just going to say hero uh, or Heroine, hero or heroine, I don't care, male or female, you know, uh, you're not going to have to give any explanation about it. I'm just going to, we're just going to go around and I'm going to give you a minute to, to write on your card, you know, and then I'm going to, you're going to give a little, little one minute presentation of, of, of your name, car, color, fictional character, hero or heroine, and then we'll just, uh, we'll uh, talk about it. So, all right, two minutes, fill out your card, go. One more minute. Arm color, fictional character, hero or heroine. Hey, what if all of like hero heroine? Are you talking about a real person? Like another fictional character? Don't talk about a real person. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry. I'm playing. So not like a superhero. Not Wonder Woman, even though somebody who you would look up to. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. In real life. Yeah. Someone you would look up to. Yeah, that's what I would say. Sorry. Look up to or actually to the person to give a No. Yeah. It could. It could be exactly what you said. You can look up to them. Could be just somebody you consider a hero. Yeah. A real person. A real person. No. You can put her as a fictional character. <laughs> I can put Linda Carter for your for your hero. <laughs> That's the old one. What's the new one? What's her name? Gal Gadot. Gal Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. 
You know, <laughs> get the accent right. <laughs> All right. For example, I mean, Roger said it. Of course. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. 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 Leaders, some people say leaders lead the way. I don't like to, but but I'll go So car, uh, I'm gonna say Jeep Wrangler. I drive, I drive a Jeep so Wrangler. I love it. It's one of my favorites. It's great. Color, I'm gonna say blue. One of my favorites. Uh, fiction. My name is Bill. You guys know that, Bill Farrell. Uh, fictional character. I'm gonna go with Thor. Got thunder. Probably heard of him. And hero. I'm gonna go with. Uh, some of you will know this. Uh, I'm gonna go Tom Landry. Um, yes, yes, okay. 70s cowboy. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to write him down here, Tom Landry. Yeah. All right. There we go. Okay. Let's go right here. Slow down, Silverado. Great. Superman. <laughs> okay. And then uh, I really like Paul. Paul by Paul. I mean, right. Yep. Okay. I like it. Karen, what you got? Um, my car is my dream car. It's a 2010 Challenger. Um, 2010. Yeah, the paint job, the the um, with the racing stripes. Yeah, I'm I'm pink. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Wow. Yeah. There it is. Not necessarily for the car. Okay, 
I'm real, real intrigued by that. Okay, that's good. Okay. Mine was E. I just said E. I love E. So, uh, I love it. So, uh, mine's white, but I want to write a baby on the So, I put Navy as my color, as my hair color. Um, name is Pierce Thompson. Spider Man, mm. but the Tom Holland Spider Man. Oh. Like, it's the TH Spider Man. Yeah. There we go. Not the Tobey Maguire one. Sarah? Cassandra. Cassandra, sorry. Cassandra, are you, did you participate? Hopefully you did. Uh, yes. So I don't really care for cars, so I'm just going to say Porsche is the first thing that popped into my head. Porsche, not bad. <laughs> it's not a car you have, right? <laughs> I just want to clarify that wasn't the question because I couldn't hear properly. 
No, no, you don't have to have it. No, you don't have to have it. No. Okay. Um, and color is aquamarine. Okay. And fictional character is Wolverine. No. Am I allowed to be that person who says Jesus? Oh, um, are you allowed? Is that allowed? Is the Jesus answer allowed? Yeah, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna allow it. All right, Bill. Bill allows it. It's like when people ask if you are on an island and you had one thing, what would you have? And I say Bible, and then everyone rolls their eyes at me. So I just wanted to check. <laughs> I don't teach because I hate writing on the board, but I think it's necessary. I think it's good. Okay, so we've got all these kind of fictional characters. We've got these hero, heroine type people. Um, let's talk for a minute then, and we're talking about these people specifically. What it can go, it can be anybody up here, and it doesn't have to be like. I don't know Karen's dad, but hey, I know who Hank Aaron is. I know Jesus. And, you know, I, mean, I, I you can comment on any person you want about things that you, you know, you admire, you like. What, what is it? Why would you put them on this list? What would, why did you do it? You know, um, that, that's what I would say. Let's let's actually look over here first. What do you like about some of these? You admire about these fictional characters. Maybe admire is too strong a word. What do you like about them? What do you what would you say? How would you describe them? I think they well for my it was personality and like humor. Um, even like well, I don't know. This is, this is weird talking about Spider-Man now. <laughs> um like but just the personality and the humor and and all the bad stuff that happens throughout his movies, like you still have that underlying Positivity, optimism. I like it. Okay. Somebody else. What do you like about somebody on this list? And that was Rosemary as well. <laughs> she's humorous. She's positive, and she's always got a plan. You know, so she's always um, taking the reins. And you know, because they they live in the 1900s town, right? So it's a 1900s type. You know, she's been um, always coming up with ideas to, you know, just always playing. Got a plan. Uh, you see that okay, right? Okay. Remind me of the food, he's positive, but he's, he's kind of the glue in the story. He's the central character that everybody knows, everybody connects with, and he's always just, he's kind. About the monkey king. I don't know him. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially if you know the story of monkeys, it's like monkeys and just like a fictional character. But his character is such that it's the Chinese version of the zoo goes out of his hand. You know, that's what he and he just finds everything. So it's a lot of that just charging forward without any fear or. The entire heavenly army of the zoo, the Chinese Greek version of the zoo, and it's just the charging of him and he's just fighting through and he's 
doesn't deal with all the structural and bureaucracy that we need to do. Yeah. We just only care about all this cunning, cunning, how cunning things are, mm -hmm. and how political and everything. Is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm worried about that. John, mm -hmm. Okay, that's good. Good, good. Okay. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about anybody on the fictional character side? When I was in Dallas, I used to go to church with a couple, and uh, the, the wife, Kathy, uh, she was uh, Barney's accountant. So, so, so yeah, Barney, uh, you know, that show, there's another show called Wishbone. They were both made by the same company, and my friend Kathy was like, did their accounting. Oh, wow, oh, yeah, man. Yeah. She had a direct line to Barney. Oh, there, right man, there. how about that? Yeah, Barney and Wishbone, man. Wishbone was a, uh, a terrier, uh, and he would, they would like tell the story of, uh, it would be a, a, a historical story, but then all at once they would, he would live in a family, and then they would have this dream, and all at once he was the main character in this dream uh, sequence where he would have all the people out there. You can tell I like that show. My daughter loves it. Yeah, you need to look that up. Let's be on YouTube. Which one? Great. Probably let's get together and watch that. Okay. 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 Well, let's. Okay. Let's 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 move over to the the, the hero heroine side. We'll do kind of the kind of the same thing. This is gonna be good because we've got a few people who I don't know on here, so we're gonna have to ask about these people. But um, let's talk about some of the things that we admire about any of them that we do. Or one that you've listed. Okay. Whatever you whatever you feel good about. Like about Paul, you said Paul. His faith and courage. Yeah, Paul. Yeah. I like with that. I know when you go from the backstory, Superman, the Wonder Woman, they all represented truth and justice, protection, protection. I'm trying to like to move them out. Steelers fan. That's right. So I grew up outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So we were 
we were arch enemies with the Cowboys. But Tom Landry, um, I, you know, you always heard good things about Coach Landry, just that he was, um, you know, very straightforward, kind, um, very, very smart. Uh, you know, I remember when I finally moved to Dallas, which was in the 90s. He coached in the 70s, I think, right? Yeah, because we're beating him up a little bit in the 70s. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah. but in the 90s, I was at uh, Dallas Seminary. I told you why I was there. Um, we would have uh, chapel three days a week, you know, kind of like Christmas week we have this surprise day. Well, one day we go, and it's pretty funny. And uh, Tom Landry was in Dallas and still in there. He was going to speak in chapel. And I was like, we got Tom Landry. I've mean, heard of this guy, but I don't know much about him. And, and you know, I'm six foot tall. I, I would guess that Coach Landry was about six four, maybe. He's a big man, a very big man. He's passed away now, but he was a. Uh, he came, and I mean, honestly, just very solid Christian testimony. Talked about how he influenced players. You know, he wasn't afraid to share his faith, even though he was working with the Cowboys. Um, and this is what I thought was really hilarious: was I had a friend named Darren. He was going to school with us, and Darren was from Canada. And, uh, you know, there's, there's some Canadian football, but it's not really the same. But anyway, you know, here we are. We got the famous coach Landry there. We're all sitting there, just like, this is great. I look over, Darren pulls out a football. He's the only guy that was sort of to think to bring a football. And afterward, he goes there and like, hey, coach Landry, would you sign my football? He's like, yeah, sure. And thinks about the horse. Now. Yeah, he's <laughs> the Canadian guy from Landry to sign his football. So, but yeah, he was a real. Uh, just a real good, faithful, you know, solid guy, Christian man, really. And so I've often thought about uh, how he must have led that team. And honestly, you know, after that, they, they kind of, they, they, they kind of, they kind of fell, fell into uh, sadder times. <laughs> and I think part of that was it. Was not being there, honestly. Was not. The only other good coach they ever had was still Jim Johnson. That's right. I don't know about the same character, though, but. No, not the same character. <laughs> I also knew a guy who knew Jimmy Johnson real in fact, we had a, sorry, I'm getting on rambling here, but it's funny. And so we were in, uh, so we had a guy that went to church with us um, who was a big fan of Oklahoma University, OU. You know? And Jimmy uh, had been there, and my, this guy that I knew, uh, Bob Fowler, who had, was a huge, huge sports fan, had, and had made a ton of money in the oil business and had donated a lot of money. So he was friends with Jimmy. So when Bob passed away, Jimmy, was going to come say something at his funeral. But, you know, Jimmy is, is, is a bit out there. He's a bit crazy. And so I don't think I've ever heard that much language in church before. But uh, it, was, yeah, it was quite the, quite the experience there. Here, here, funeral, my friend Bob Fowler. Uh, anyway, sorry. M moving on. Tell me about CW. What's like about him? Um, or her? The, uh, it's one of my questions. Um, but, but he went to a
persevere. Every day, maybe. Say hard. You said hard work. Hard work. I don't work in it. Against, so she was like doing the 
And um, from there, she felt the call to be a missionary in China. And for the longest time, I guess, due to she was a single you know, female, they wouldn't let her go to China. And then eventually, she did go to China, but of course, with the war and everything that happened, she ended up in a Japanese uh, prison camp. And um, after she was there, then when the war was over, she wanted to go back to China to be a missionary. Um, they wouldn't send her back, so they sent her to California, and that was the start of Bible study fellowship. Five ladies came to her and were like, "We want to be teachers of the Bible," and so she was like, um, "Well, first she was." Then in her book, she was like, she wanted to go back to China, so she was like, "Why?" And I still get this, but she was like, "These people know the Bible," you know, and I, I feel that so much here in the American culture. Yeah. Like, we know the Lord. We have churches everywhere. Um, it just didn't feel the same. And um, but then she she got her answer, you know, from the Lord. And then basically she said, "Okay, I will teach you God's word, but I will not send you to God's word." So what she would do is she would write up the questions every week, and so they would have to dig into God's word um, on their own. And uh, now it's Gosh, all worldwide, men, women, children, groups, um, 80 years later, you know. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, when then, like, where she was in a prison camp in China, that's actually one of the best locations, yeah. you know. So, when you think about yeah. uh, just her walking by faith, you know, no one would see the outcome, but she walked by faith, she suffered, yeah. you know, being in prison, and it, it wasn't quite all. It was like, you know, it wasn't an easy. It's just walking my faith and dealing with the suffering, the hardships, but trusting the Lord, and then, and then letting you know. What I, I've been in BSF twelve years now. What I love is that you're digging into God's word on your own. So it really is the Holy Spirit that trans, you know, transforms you because you're digging in, and not just yeah. You know, you like I love to yeah. read. I read all months of books too. Did you lead a group in BSF? Well, I did up until TNT. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. I stole it for a year. Don't with the SF. You guys know about the SF? around the room. No. Really? Yeah. Tell, tell me a little bit about it. Yeah. So, Bible study fellowship? Yes. Yeah, it's a very well known. Well, Bible study fellowship is, you can go up and then you can, uh, you're just studying that book, but like this year, we're studying Genesis. So they have women's groups, men's groups, um, day, night, and Zoom, and you're just digging into the book. That's your own. It's very non denominational, as I understand it. You can, I'm like, you spit it, and you can go to, you know, you go to a church, and you might have, it depends on the size. You have 500,000 people, and you just don't have a central teaching, and then you have stuff in your homework. I mean, it's, it's, now that it's legit. It's work. <laughs> yeah. The great thing is that um, because you know, it's non-denominational as in it doesn't matter what denomination you're in. There are guidelines so that when you come, you're studying God's word. You can't talk about your like my church does this, yeah, right. my denomination does that. You're just studying God's word, and then you know, so it's always like, okay, what is? Let's just get to what God's word says. You know? Yeah, it's a, it's it's really good. Yeah, her study of the Bible is amazing. So. Uh, I just know that she was the founder and leading her book. Yeah, I mean, like thousands of people, really, really legit. Yeah, I mean, it's great stuff. So, yeah.
Cassandra, you have any thoughts on anybody on this list? You want to say anything about about the Lord? Anything like about Jesus? <laughs> Oh, I said, do you, do you want to say anything about anybody on this list, about any quality they have that you that you admire and you think of when you see these names? Well, for me, with Jesus, it's just, I mean, there's lots of things to like, obviously, when someone's perfect, but I think what appeals to me is just his ability to respond correctly in every situation and for someone that's extremely passionate like me, that's one of my biggest struggles is, you know, not overreacting, not underreacting, not getting mad when you shouldn't, but getting mad when you should and loving when you should, but hating other times. <laughs> like, you know, like I just, he just always responds perfectly. And I would say that's one of my top things that I admire about our Lord. That's great. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that, uh, honestly, but I, I really like what you're saying. Sounds good. Okay. Brian, you want to say anything about Hank? So when I, you know, when I, when I think about 
leadership. And, and I think there's a chapter, which one may cover next week. So chapter four really talks about the difference. There's a chart in there between the spiritual and the, and the, uh, the non-spiritual leader. But you know what I found, especially in working, you know, when I started in this leadership program in Richardson that I was in, um, I honestly didn't think that people would accept me very much in it because I was a pastor. I come from a more of a spiritual leadership standpoint. But what I found was totally the opposite, that most of the people that I was meeting with, you know, city council people and that, they all had the same characteristics I had. A lot of them had faith as well. You know, so it was really interesting. Um, you know, they were they were hardworking, they could persevere, they were dedicated. I mean, there was a there was a lot. And one way that I would try to initiate conversations with them about the Lord is I would just say, hey, you know, most of these people were serving in some capacity. That was always the big thing that we would talk about is if you're gonna be a trustee of the community, you, you need to you need to serve people, you need to love them, you need to use your giftedness. You know, we try to use our giftedness what the, the further the kingdom of God. They were trying to do it maybe to further an organization, but they were still trying to do it to serve other people. That's kind of that difference between serving myself and serving somebody else. And um, I would often ask them, hey, tell me how your faith plays in with why you serve, you know? And a lot of times, I'd say 50% or more of the time, they would say, well, hey, you know, I'm a believer in Christ, blah, 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 do that. And they didn't all know that I worked for a church, that I was a pastor. You know, I'm just, I'm just some business guy in the community, probably because I'd come from a business background, you know, and I'd serve on various committees and do a lot of do a lot of that stuff. So they didn't, they were like, uh, like I said, good or bad, they didn't think I had any angle and, and ask for those things. But um, I think you can see that when we start talking about uh, spiritual leadership and what we recognize in others, uh, that, that, you know, I think you were even saying that, like Bob Goff, that's the kind of person you'd want to be that would, you know, pass on, you know, that kind of faith, you know. And, and I think that as we do exhibit, you know, the, the, the good qualities that you see up here, um, and it, it, it makes you stand out. It's different. It's different, you know. Um, and when you think of leaders of companies, when you think of some people that you see lead that you don't like, you know, uh, um, that they're not very servant hearted. You know, I think that leadership, especially relational leadership, is about influence. And I don't think you can influence people if, if you don't care for them. You know, I mean, people will follow you to an extent if they think you maybe you are somebody or you can help them with something. But I think when you get to that point where people follow you because they, you know, they have trust in you or they really, uh, they like you, they really care for them, that's different. Uh, you know, I think that as I, I've looked over the years and worked with different pastors, you know, I often say, hey, you know what, you don't have to agree with everything that they might think or do, but they have enough relational capital that if they think it's best, I trust them, you know, we're, we're, even since I've been here a year and a half, there are these situations where, you know, people up at levels above me, I'll think, you know, I don't know that I totally agree with the decision maybe they're making, but I trust that they're seeking the Lord's face, and, you know, if they they have done that and they think this is the way to go, I'm okay with that. And that that's kind of how I rationalize it. I, I trust enough in their spiritual leadership to go, hey, these people are godly. They care. They're, they're not in it for selfish motives. Uh, you know, uh, there are people in the ministry for selfish motives. I wouldn't burst your uh, bubble on that, but <laughs> but I, I don't see a lot of that here. I mean, I, I really don't. So that was, that was a, good, uh, a good place. You don't get to be the size of a Reverend Baptist without, you know, having some people 
push it and, and try to uh, push it out there. Okay, let's look at uh, questions for a little bit, and I might, I might, I might roll into one other little uh, leadership lesson that I that I like that I call leading up. But let's let's look in the book uh, some of these questions that were the first three chapters. Um, hopefully, you read the first three chapters. If you didn't, you can fake it. Fake on the questions. I'm not going to call on you. I'm going to let you answer if you feel led. Um, but there were some questions in here. I guess I, I don't, um, again, I really like this book because I think when I first read it, it was so eye-opening to me. This is 25 years ago now. And when I thought about how leaders and spiritual leaders, they, they have a lot of the same characteristics. And I think that was a surprise to me. Um, okay, let me ask this question. Why is it difficult for Christians today to wholeheartedly agree with Paul as spiritual leadership is an honorable condition chapter Why is it difficult for Christians to wholeheartedly agree with spiritual leadership is an honorable condition? Why is it difficult for Christians today to wholeheartedly agree with the Apostle Paul that spiritual leadership is an honorable ambition? Apostle Paul said that an honorable ambition. He told Timothy that first Timothy three. Aspiring leadership is an honorable ambition.
on the word ambition because you know yeah. human ambition even for believers can sometimes be a little self-seeking so I think that's why I might pause for that because it's uh, obviously I agree with scripture so I agree with what Paul is saying but um, that that it is an honorable ambition uh, but but I think I think the, uh, the at least for me the check is okay um You can even seek something that's good for wrong motives because human nature we tend to be often self-seeking and selfish. And I've certainly in the church, I'm, and I might be, I'm probably guilty myself, but I'm certainly seeing people in the church who they want to have a position of influence or power, and sometimes you wonder are they really doing it out of self-sacrifice or Christ, or is it a little bit more about filling their own Each, each department 
seem to kind of fend for themselves. You know, they have to have their own way. Yeah. <laughs> kingdoms, yeah, they, they weren't big enough to be kingdoms. Let's call them silos. Or whatever they were. They had their own little uh, kind of, uh, you know, uh, cadre of leaders, and they had their own little, you know, little things that they would do. And they just didn't have a lot of support for one another. They weren't antagonistic, but they weren't quite team. You know, and it's hard to explain that. But if you've worked on a good team of people that you trust and you love and you feel like you can, it just provides a little of more safety, you know. So sometimes. When you see that's not working, I often thought there, oh, these people are going to try to build their own little kingdoms here. This is not about who gets credit for it. There's an old saying, you know, it's amazing what people can do if they don't worry about who gets credit for it. You know, we just don't work together, they work selfishly. But I really saw this. I just already got there. We've been there about, about a couple months. And I was in charge of single adults and like, you know, really Anyway, my wife and I were like, "Hey, let's uh, let's go to student ministry camp. Let's let's go serve camp." And I thought, "Okay, I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? I'm like, what are you talking about? I mean, let's go to camp. I mean, I came from a church where you know everybody wanted to go. We all kind of helped each other out, and they they almost couldn't fathom it. It was crazy. I'm like, what? I mean, I did. I that was my first taste of something's weird here. <laughs> you know. And then uh, it's funny. All these years later, I still stay in touch with a with a guy who's kind of a Found the Thank you. 
relational and that um, you're you're teaching I look at it as like teaching the next generation you're training up and then kind of what Paul did with Timothy you know passing Which I think is what makes it difficult going back to the first question is that so much is non relational. And so with the serving nowadays, it's probably like you have, I don't know, you don't have everybody serving, right? So um, it's, it's more of those that are serving probably get worn out or they get caught up in the serving because there's the whole balance. I guess if it was like a perfect world, Everybody would be serving, and then it would balance out, and so you're still able to serve your family as well as serve your community and your church home, right? Um, and then if it were relational, then it's bonding. And it's very strong. So much of that is missing. You've got to figure out what you guys are there. That a lot of a lot of the ways we learn to lead better are by by doing it. Not, it's just not a gift we have. We have to work with other people to to, 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 to train, to, to try things, to, to fail at things. You know, sometimes that's part of leadership. But when you have a sort of apprentice, if you will, or someone that you work for, if you're lucky to work for somebody who cares enough about you to give you the opportunity, you know, to, um, and I think that you know we do a nice job that here as a church you know i think we have people that you know attend and who get a chance to lead various ministries and then i think we have people that we bring on our staff as interns as residents kind of as apprentices where they're getting the chance to to lead things you know and then hopefully you know but uh, you're right with, without the, the opportunities to kind of do those things you have to you have you have the skill like the baseball player but you're right you have to you have to practice you have to Use those to get better. And if you don't, you know, they, they just don't. That's not what God says. Uh, also, Paul, you know, we have these good works that we're here for, and we should walk in them. You know, they're the things that we're supposed to do. And they're, not, they're not making us do them. We don't have to, but it's good for us, right? And, and that God uses those things, our faithfulness, to really make a, uh, a difference. Let's ask one. No, I like this question. Question number six. How would you describe servant leadership to a young, successful entrepreneur who recently became a Christian? How would you describe servant leadership to a very young, successful person who just became a Christian? What would you, what would you say to them? How would you describe servant leadership? That involves uh, or, or, um, uh, corporate, corporate uh, entity, but it's very Christian. The, the CEO of the company, uh, like we have big events, like fill up this whole room, he would be like putting the trash can down. He was done that. Joe was like, he's the definition of. A servant, and he's, you know, we, and we would tell him, we'd be like, Joe, you're the CEO, you don't have to do stuff like this. Yeah, like, you have people, you gotta do stuff like this for you. And, uh, 
But no, he would be the one to like if there was somebody that needed to ride home or something like that, he was the guy. Uh, but just he literally, if he was in the bathroom and he needed toilet paper, he would go upstairs and get toilet paper and yeah. refill. So rare. Wow. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a flaw. Yeah. Very rare. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, he didn't get a lot accomplished from an administrative standpoint. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm joking. He was very good. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. So someone, yeah. Someone told me, hey, let me go. Do what he does. Do you're getting. You're halfway there. Yeah. Sitting still and either being served, or you know, they really want to be the one that's Something I want to see up there. Mm -hmm. 
so I have to I have to argue against that. I have to think to be uh, I don't have to think to be humorous or positive. I mean, but that that's pretty much how I am. But if I was going to be, uh, I'm going to be just kind. I think people would stand kind, but I have to be. If I'm going to be thoughtful, maybe maybe that's the term. You know, when I work with four different staffs in the North Region, and you know, they have wives, they have some of them married, some of them have kids, and and I have to think to myself, okay, I know that so-and-so has something bad happen. I really need to call them. I need to reach out. But actually, that is just send them a quick text. Hey, how you doing? All right. You know, okay. Uh, go on to the next thing. I mean, I have to think about being consistently, consistently thoughtful. That, that's what I would say. Because that's my own devices. It's not that I don't care. I don't even think about it. I'm just optimistic. And, 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 and so I think when we're trying to lead spiritually, we almost have to of things that we should do more. So one word was just the point of transfusion, which is I did it. Yeah, that's 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 spiritual healing. I did it. Mike, I don't know Mike well, but I would never co 
correct him in a meeting with eight people. I wouldn't do it because I, one of my rules is you honor people publicly, you uh, have influence with them privately. So if I had something to say that I thought was going to be questioning him or anything else, I would never do it in public. I would always do it in private, right? And when you do that, you do gain the respect of people who you don't know, have well, I consider it to be a, a pretty good lesson over 20 years ago now. I and we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up with the story. I was working at this church. I was new, I was kind of a fresh minister, and I was there around Christmas time. Most people had taken off, but at Christmas time, I didn't have any vacations. I was new, so I had to work. And as I went by the front desk, we had a, a big plastic bin there where we would put uh, outgoing mail. And the mailman would come once a day and he would pick up this bin and he would, he would take the mail. He would drop off all the mail. Well, as I was walking by uh, the bin, uh, there was a, there was just a few outgoing pieces of mail. And I noticed that one of them looked like someone's electric bill uh, that they had put in there, but it didn't have a stamp on it. It had been run through the church postage system. I looked at it and I thought, have the nerve, the audacity <laughs> to run it through the church's that, that, that would be wrong. That'd be terribly wrong. Who would do that? So I, I went, I reached out and I picked that piece of mail up. And I had the senior pastor's name on it. And I thought, that is so wrong. So I mean this is a good lesson what not to do. So rather than go just knock on the door, I just went to my I just sent him a very simple email. I just said, hey, Gary, I don't appreciate my tithe dollars paying for your personal mail. I just sent it to him. <laughs> sent him that email. I'm not making this up. And so about, and his office was pretty close to mine. Pretty close. And he happened to be in that day. I just like, even though it's over the break, he was in, and I sent him that email. And my phone rang. So it was him. <laughs> so I said, hello. He's like, please come into my office right now. Said, okay, okay. So I went into the office and uh, he said, listen, I'm going to tell you something. He goes, first of all, that email. And he was, I could tell he was fighting, but you know, the guy is really mad to try to keep it calm. He said, that made me so mad when I got that email. He goes, that you would question my integrity. He said, let me tell you something. He said, I give my secretary about $10 a month. She keeps a record of everything that is run through the postage meter, and I personally pay for that. He said, however, I am glad that you actually had the courage to say something. You didn't do it well. You screwed that up. But I do respect you for bringing that to me, you know. And uh, that was the start of really what became kind of a 20-year friendship. Yeah. I, mean, I and one of, yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> but I, and I thought I thought back on that a lot of times about how when you're when you're leading, uh, yeah, when you're when you're leading up, you know, to people that you know you don't you don't need that. You don't do the email. You don't you don't question people's character. But one of the things that the higher you get in an organization, people are less likely to tell you the truth. You know that because. You know, they just want to be your friend. They want to be around you. They're, they're not going to want to disagree with you. And so it's hard to find people that will tell you the truth. 
that will tell you a blind spot or anything. So I was one of those people that did. You know, I'd say there were probably maybe two people that worked with us there at that church when I left that would tell me the truth. And I was one of them. And he, yeah, yeah, the, the, the flip side is true, right? If, yeah. we're, if we're in a position of leadership, how open are we to the fact that we probably have some blind yeah. spots? And do we allow other people to speak into it? Yeah, yeah. right. And uh, that was a good lesson. So I learned that a long time ago. And uh, and yeah, I haven't, I haven't made that mistake since. But that was a, that was a, that was a good one. That was and I think the key too is the climate. Yeah, I'm probably lucky that no one else knew about it. You know, that everybody, like, no one else knew about it. You didn't copy anyone on it.